when I felt like I became selfless in my practice and I wanted to make the space or the object or the art installation or the music or whatever for somebody else's happiness, when I literally think about that moment that I'm creating and it's authentically for them, that's when I felt like everything just turned into a fireworks for me. Hey, my name is Dan Brophy and welcome to Quit Your Day Job, a podcast for frustrated creatives. Well, each week I'll be speaking to my favorite creatives all about how they've turned what they love into what they do. The pragmatic, practical tools and tips associated with taking your passion and making it happen. And for those of you who are still yet to align with your quote unquote passion, you've come to the right place because many of the people that I interview once upon a time had no idea what it was that they wanted to invest their energy in and that process of discovering what it is you truly care about and how it is you want to work and how you want to turn creative processes into a business is everything that I want to find out when I sit down with my guests and today's guest is no exception. Missy is an amazing example of someone who has found a way to make a business out of what it is that she loves. And because Missy Gilbert's a rock star and a performance artist and a multidisciplinary artist and someone who makes sculpture and someone who designs and holds space for other creative performers, all the ways in which she has amalgamated these various skill sets into a thriving business model. Most recently, Missy's multidisciplinary skill has combined for a collaboration with the restaurant Empire Chin Chin, which is in both Melbourne and Sydney, for an immersive dining experience in which she's already had five nights sell out within the first few hours of them going on sale. As well as that, I wanted to talk to Missy about the fact that she has created a hub for artists called The Nest. Now it is a 2,000 square meter gigantic factory of creative explosion with 50 different artist spaces in this huge warehouse. And the thing is, it takes a long time to get your head around how to run a, a system like this. But because she's had a chance to explore and experiment over various iterations of this very same concept, which is now taking up a small city block, it's hard to imagine that it started very small, but I was really interested in talking to Missy about when it was just her and a couple of others. This process is such a long one that it's really nice to be reminded that you have to experiment for a while before you have something that's truly worth offering to the world. And speaking of offerings, you know, Missy's company is called I Am Offerings, and it's a lovely way of anchoring to an idea of generosity and intention when it comes to holding space for other creatives and i wanted to ask her all about how she developed that awareness within herself that that was something that meant something to her and i love the idea that as a creative we can create environments and projects for other creatives to work on and what we discuss in our conversation is the importance of reaching out to other people within our communities to encourage them to engage and to contribute energy towards projects that are mutually beneficial and i think the aim of the game is for all of the creatives who listen to this podcast to be activated by the ideas that they're experiencing here and in other conscious creative spaces to then find what 
they can do to contribute energy to what they believe in. Rather than waiting for someone to come to them with the solution, be part of creating the solution themselves. Before we get onto the conversation, let me just say, if you enjoy this chat, please share it with someone who will enjoy it and be inspired by it also. You can copy the link and you can send it via text or Facebook message. You can screen capture it and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Dan Brophy and I'll be sure to share it as well. It's really great for me to hear what parts of the conversation you found beneficial. So if you have an opportunity to let me know what you got turned on by or what you're interested in or what you want to know more about, that will help me to deliver more of the same. Because as much as I do this podcast for me, I also do it because I love the idea that other people are able to get inspired and and energized by listening to it as well. So if there's an opportunity for me to do that better, then I want to know about it. And lastly, I have an IGTV vlog, which is on my Instagram page at Dan Brophy. And every couple of days, I will respond to a question that a different creative in my orbit has given to me about something that they are looking at or working on or stuck with and use it as an excuse to share some ideas that could be a sounding board or a a reflection on what they could potentially do to break through that block and to mix things up and to try something new. So that is open for you to contribute to. Send me a DM, email me danbrophy at gmail.com or respond in the comments on any of the posts and I will certainly use that as inspiration for a chat on the vlog. Well, that's enough from me until you hear me talk to Missy and here she is, Missy Gilbert, artist, multidisciplinary, creative and inspirational Wonder Woman. So, Missy, thanks so much for joining us, joining thanks. me. Um, so, I love to start by asking, when someone says, hey, what do you do? What do you tell them? Um, I generally do that for a little while. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, far out. I, well, I would probably say that I, well, okay, this is really funny because I've only recently started calling myself an artist. It's a very big deal. I don't know why. It's always felt like a big deal, but I've realised... I had this moment um, about six months ago and I realised I've been freelancing as a well, commission work artist since I was 21. Um, so never had three, another three job. years. Yeah, two. yeah, two. Um, so, which is half my life. Um, so, yeah, I... I find that complicated, but it's funny because I feel like I never had, um, I never studied ever. So, um, so, um, I feel like I never had any restraints on what I should be or the direction. So I just dabble, I dabble, but yeah, experiential artist, multidisciplinary, oh, hard to say. (laughs) It's it's a, it's a perfect proposition for discussing why people do feel really reluctant to label themselves anything is it because we don't want to put ourselves in a box to restrict the type of work we're available to is it because if we haven't i mean haven't studied sometimes you don't feel like you're allowed to claim the thing because you're not officially the thing is it because and i've read so many books about creativity and in particular why people are reluctant to put themselves out there as creatives because the threat to have to be super successful otherwise you don't deserve the right to be 
is a bit have the yeah. crippling and have the title of mm. artist. Why do you think it is difficult? I mean, you're one of, and we'll get into all the things that you're working on in a moment, but you're kind of one of the more established, creative, and good at running the business of being an artist people I know. Oh. So wh- why do you, what, where do you think the reluctance is to actually go, yeah, I'm an artist? Um, in the same way that our friends who are much more traditional jobs can say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm, yeah. a I'm actually a, I'm an accountant. I don't know. Um, I guess for me, well, definitely, definitely ownership and self-worth. Huge. Um, huge. And I guess because so many of the things that I do would fall under an event or um, a window dresser or a blah, blah, blah. But within those facets, I've always done absurd, disrupting, you know, you know, suspension installations that take 40 hours and they're, they could, they'd be in the MCA like as a work, but they're in a window for a commercial fashion label or something like that. So I guess there's lots of facets of why and then because I also take the role of um, like founding a creative space and then and then facilitating a sacred space for other people. So then I drop away from being the artist and I've sacrificed the art the artist to be the the mum, <laughs> the artist mum, you know, of, of, of the space. So I don't know, there's there's a million things that contribute to that, but I feel like when it really boils down to it, it's it's an there's a lot of titles that get taken away from people during processes as well because do financial reasons for like if you're in a job you I feel like sometimes you it's just little moments of ownership that you oversee in a job you might be really busy and you get a brief and then all of a sudden they're putting some PR out and you haven't looked at it and then it goes out and the title that they give you is you know sort of a washed out version of what you what you've done and you've done the creative direction as an overall um, as you know creative direction as, as an artist and so I think there's a lot of facets but you know some of them self-worth some of them um, um, you know because of the process of you know life is so quick and and you're not looking at the little tiny details to make sure you're the pit bull and you're looking after your own right as an artist so I think that then that goes back to self-worth really yeah and value that valuing that valuing valuing yourself (laughs) well, <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah, you can't even say it, let alone do it. Uh, let's get on to that in a moment because I feel like the, like the, the notion of self-worth as a creative is we could do an entire 20-part series on that journey because I feel like all of our creative compatriots are constantly struggling with some version of that and that to me yeah. is really interesting and hot and fascinating and exciting and worth exploring from what you've come to understand of it so far. But... In terms of giving people just an overview of the type of ways in which you work, because it can be confronting, I'll frame it to you like this. If you were your manager or your agent and you were upselling you for a great gig, oh my God, Missy, you'll love her. She does, she's actually done this. What key, what key 
items would, would your agent like to reference that you've worked on in the last sort of few years that really show what you're capable of across the breadth of your multidisciplinary skill? Um, well, I guess it's based on the establishments. The, 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 yeah, um, uh, well, um, well, I'm at the moment. I'm working with Chin Chin um, food, um, Restaurant. Which okay, this happened this week, so this is pretty well, exciting. Actually, just then I found out that it's completely sold out within 48 hours, which is okay. absurd. So, for, for I'm going to I want to publish <laughs> this say. conversation like ASAP next week, so that it's really relevant, so that yeah. we can discuss the, the, this it's in wild. real time. But you're doing Hyperreal Volume Two. Yeah, Hyperreal Hyper 2.0, yeah. Hyperreal 1.0, what was that? So, um, so I, I guess, so food design um, and immersive experiential um, dining has been a really big thing that has been a culmination of everything that I've, I've done, really. So it's, it's everything from the costumes, the styling, the journey, the immersive journey, the um, liaising with the chefs to make the food design... To designing the interaction between the food and the person. And this is a collaboration with Chin Chin Restaurant. Yeah. And Chin Chin and Holly Lucas. And Holly yep. Lucas, who mm-hmm. we love. Holly yes. is just. I, Holly is going to be considered box. to be, I think, a patron of the creative she's world. She's a brain box. She is. So she's. The, <laughs> I love you, Holly. We love you, Holly. <laughs> I, I, My pooch. We, we both work with Holly, and Holly is uh, Holly is the head of marketing for the Chin Chin Lucas. Creative restaurant creative director yep. empire and i mean what a boss bitch yeah she's she's young and she's insane and she's amazing and, and her x-men skill her super skill is she can sniff out creative talent and she knows to zero in on it and who and she knows who to work with mm-hmm. who to give creative freedom to and she fights for the right to em- employ Put them, them into- fund them and leave them through their own devices. She actually really, 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 really does. It's 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 um it's been an incredible journey with her to do this because before I did immersive experiences, I've been doing them for like four years, before anyone was talking about <laughs> immersive, blah blah blah, before it was a hype word. Um, I came back from maybe five years ago even, um, from um, Sleep No More, and I was like, I want to do Sleep No More, but with food. No one's doing it, what the fuck. And Sleep No More, for those who so, don't know, that, that, that's a, that was um, an Edgar Allan Poe, or was that Macbeth? What was, which is that? It was Macbeth, Macbeth. yeah. It was Macbeth. Insanity. In New York, in a multi-story Huge. warehouse. it's still going. And you it's sold out every you, time. And you see a play that happens over multiple levels in multiple rooms. And you can split out and follow all the performers. It's a, so it's insanity. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. It's insanity. But so I was like, why people aren't doing this as food with food there? Oh, my God, this is exactly what because I love all of those facets and I love food and I love immersive. And so I was like, this is going to be so much fun. Why don't I just start doing this within my own creative space? So I started doing them underground in the Nest Creative Space, space the Nest Creative Space, which is my um, which is a space that my partner and I, Daniel, founded and direct so it's um there's 50 studios maybe 70 or 80 artists at the moment and there. so previously so it was we were having it in there wow so it was nights at the nest because and once upon a time the nest was near green 
Green Square, square yeah, in Sydney. demolished. It was a beautiful kind of, you know, chicken coop of a building, as you lovingly described it. And you had, Hot box. Um, you had, you know, lots of different artists with their own sort of cubicles. Yeah. Some of them were potterists. Some of them yeah. were um, musicians. Some of them were artists. Some of yep. them were painters. Some of them, and everyone was just yeah. in this multi disciplinary space that was yeah. a you know a hot box of excitement yeah and you know just to diverge to before we go back to to, to hyperreal was it your intention to like what was the payoff for you to create that space because logistically running a big space is a, is challenging mm. and so did you say okay i need to create i, I want to have my own space but i would love to be able to offer it for other people or i want to you know Cover the cost of me having a big old space by renting out spaces to other people to use, so therefore I can have one, yeah. you know, in a sense covered. Well, the first, well, there's all of those reasons. So when I, I basically exploded out of my first space, which was in Watsons Bay, into um, putting in, investing some money into um, my just artist money. Like I was just a little little bogan from the Gold Coast and um, and back in Sydney. And so I was like, oh, like becoming this little, you know, I don't even know what it was. And then um, exploded out of the, the room I was sharing in Watson's Bay. Um, then I, re- I found a couple of guys that wanted to make a space. So I was like, I'll just chuck in um, and invest in, in the bond. Let's just make it happen. They pretty much did all the, all the hard work. And, and I was skating around a 4,000 square meter space um, with Literally no one skating. in there skateboarding around. I'd skateboard to the bathroom. So, um, so that was like huge. And then, so I had this huge space um, to make my own practice in. And then I realized I was, you know, spending all this money with unit and house and, um, you know, three leases. And I was just this little artist and I was like, it was ridiculous. So I looked through the window one day and I was like, holy shit, there's like, there's a huge space next door. Looks like it's a hot box, but whatever. I'll just take it because then I can just have as much space as I... And it worked out less if I just collectively put all of my things together and, and you know, became a little bohemian warehouse rat. And so then... The dream. Yeah. Dream. And, then, and then I asked a few friends to, to come on board so that we could actually make the rent. That's all we would need. And then it just exploded into this space. And then all of a sudden we became you know, um, creators of a space. And, and then I guess for the first year or two, we were re- we really sacrificed our own art, our music. We're, um, we were producing, you know, music and um, touring in Europe a lot with our music, my partner and I, Daniel and Ginger and the Ghost. And so we sacrificed that. We sacrificed our own art to just do as much as we can and everything that we made we put back in as artists so artists run artist space absolutely like that's the meaning of the word really like the sacrifice for that and then so it just exploded and and then going back to nights at the nest and hyper real and all of that stuff um we got to a point where it was established we, How long we did take? it took at least a year and a half of like it was grueling we were working around the clock Building, putting, working on the clock, like working on the clock to make it, but working on the clock to make the money to put back into it, and you know, chasing our tails, like making bathrooms, making kitchens, like we built everything that was in there. It was just a blank slab. Did you know how to do that already, or did you have to outsource the? the no, because we, no, we. Well, you learn along the way, but Dan's also super handy and can build houses, so he was, you know, there was. It was like the block all over again. 
The Bohemian Bo- Block. The Boho Block. Um, and so you anyway, found yourself so yeah, here. so then sacrificed that for a while and then got to a point where I was like, great, okay, everything's running, it's pretty fluid, now I get back to doing me, what does that look like? And I was like, here's a giant space, there's lots of free room, I'm going to make some immersive dining thing I didn't even know what those words were that I didn't even have words for it I just made these happenings um and they exploded it was psychotic I like I'm a dress I'm I make costume I dress up I that's what I do I'm obsessed so I made like a dress code that was like strict and if you didn't come you your ticket wasn't refundable like so people were getting crazy they were lining up around the door it was selling out small runs making the most fantastical, um, you know, installation art, food immersion, bringing in chefs. I was doing molecular gastronomy with some crazy nerds, food scientists, and, and just making these fantastical spaces that people could, like, become a part of and feel like they're in this weird fantasy world kind of thing. So that's where that came from. And then I started to do them and then and then people what I was doing other work for were like what are you doing with these things they were coming and they were like can you do that for us so then that went into the commercial and brand world to a degree like there's only so many things you can do when you've got multi faceted people to chop down the, the the great idea with so then I met Holly and from Chin Chin and and She's for, got the same brain, for those and we don't know, exploded. Chin Chin is a restaurant in Sydney and a restaurant in Melbourne. In the Melbourne one, you still, after four years, there's a line out the door every night that they're open. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like a nightclub, even though it's just really great Pan-Asian cuisine, affordable but fabulous. In a, and it's just the perfect blend of, like, the music's awesome, the neon lights are cool, the decor is gorgy, the food is affordable but really impressive. Like, there's mm. just a great combination of magic happening at Chin Chin anyway, and Melbournians love it Sydney also embraces it but Melbourne it still feels like a nightclub it's a cult it's a cult that I'm happy to subscribe to for crab omelettes alone and so the idea of you meeting Holly and then her going oh my god I love what you're doing with your things or were you saying I like your restaurant empire no well I met I met I was supposed to do something with another friend that was doing something for her and um, it wasn't something I was wanting to do it at the time just for other reasons and um, and then yeah I came to see my friend she was working with Holly and met Holly got like house on fire like absolute blah like um, and so I was like come back to my creative space I'd love you to see it um, let's have a coffee and that was the end of that like yeah, love. You were married. Love, love at first sight. And then we just um, had a... I told her about what I was doing with Knights of the Nest um, and, you know, my obsession with the, the immersive food design and she was just obsessed. Because also so the, then the, that was just insane. The, the, I think yeah. one of the useful <laughs> ideas there for a lot of people, no matter what their medium is, is the idea of getting to know your community and getting to know your tribe and seeing who else is doing interesting things within your own universe not necessarily the same thing as you as a matter of fact it's better if you cross-pollinate ideas with someone who does different things in a a complementary space but buddying up because we've all we're all trying to build something we're all trying to launch ideas we're all trying to make a happen a happening happen yep if you find people who turn you on creatively and i don't even think it's an intellectual thing 
I no, think no, it's no, no, no. It's authentic, it's, isn't it? It's a, it's an, it's an emotional connection, or it's a, it's a spark in you that makes you kind of go, I'm obsessed with you. Yeah, with Whatever you. Whatever it is that you're doing, I yeah. love you, and I wanna, I wanna join energetic forces with you. Yeah. And I think that I occasionally meet people. I mean, I felt it with you. I felt it with Holly. I felt yeah. it with everyone on this podcast. Where I'm like, you excite oh. me, and I need to. <laughs> taste your special sauce you know? <laughs> and if I can mingle Love my that. Dan jam with your special sauce then we're going to have some tang yes. and so and I think that that's, that's really useful for people because no matter what it is that you're making or doing mm. you will have people who come into your orbit and if you're open to liaising and reaching out with mm. reaching out to and communicating with to potentially do low risk adventures to yeah. see how you work together then that's when magic yeah. gets made I also think it's yeah it, I mean that's the experiment isn't it like that's the creative experiment like if you allow your I don't know for me it's like really feeling uh, it's like I feel like when you're doing when my, my personal world is like sacrificially like doing so much to establish sacred space for other people came back in karma in my creative karma and now it's just full fruition um on a really beautiful gratitude level um and and it's only because of allowing myself the time to experiment with those those people that you know completely blow your mind and ignite together so i think yeah i think that's that's really exciting to to have the space to be able to to do that. Well, let's talk about that as well because <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in the idea of, you know, you have made a, a mission of, of creating spaces for artists for some time now and I'm sure before The Nest was even a thing, you were probably establishing what that practice looked like in terms of the workspace you would create for mm. people to turn up to for a day, not mm. even just for, you know, a few months if they were moving in. Yeah. And I think something about the idea of not everyone is designed to do that job but I think it's interesting that calling that you experience to go I've got something to offer to the, the creative universe I've got something yeah, to offer the totally. space I want to be a facilitator for other artists because a way that people can be of service creatively is not necessarily being an artist yeah you can actually totally. be you can actually use your creative energy to create spaces mm. even by freeing up funds for other people to yeah. make work by yeah. contributing energy to facilitating other people's you know roles so that then you can be inspired for your own thing one yeah. day what was it about your journey that made you go I'm I want to create a space that makes artists better well I think it came organically because I am an artist and so I know the environment that a lack of space that you were looking for I never thought I never thought I would be an artist working in a creative space. I just it wasn't something I thought I would be spending time in and that's what I've done like literally lived in the deepest world of that for maybe 6 or 7 years 10 no 10 or 11 years actually um like really deeply but um I think because I know what I need that's what I try to reflect in the spaces that I create, I don't know, um, that's being like, you know, even, I guess that's sort of two, two separate worlds for me is 
in the fact that you know one of them is is the work mode area so what does that look like um how does that affect people and their practice um is it open enough or is it closed enough like there's all there's so many facets that I think about because I know what I want and if I was a digital media guy what would I want or if I was a ceramicist what would what environment would I want and where would I put so it's almost like um then it gets into curating you know the the people within those spaces and what type of energy that creates and 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 that goes back into doing immersive experiences you know um what are they going to feel like who knows but this is maybe what i want them to come out feeling you know um and basically i think that comes down to one word that i've really loved at the moment is disarming and i think um if people are disarmed in in any ways then their their real authentic um vulnerabilities come out and i think that's what a lot of um or where a lot of art comes from and so having a disarming space might be like very homely and warm as a creative or it might be full blown full throttle you know um blade runner meets um ghost in a shell psycho to to be able to disarm them through fantastical world where they just it's so overwhelming that they they're just losing it you know and then and then you interject and and give them that moment of truth and authenticity mm-hmm. so and when if someone probably who re- blurring on about that no no <laughs> yeah. I, i really understand i really understand what you mean by that because i also notice when i go out sometimes to a nightclub space or in there's so many spaces where you feel what the energy of the space is like based on how it's been created and you can walk into a space and i get very frustrated by nightclubs in sydney because i'm like the per- the people who've held this space have no regard for the energy of exactly. the space they're creating i've been to so many blackluster dance events i've been to so yeah. many shit mark if i go to another bad mardi gras party i i'm yeah. going to stay home at mardi gras because i'm sick of yeah. i'm sick of people who don't know how to hold space even in terms of the way the space the shape of the dance floor needs to be in relation totally. to the room you know it's one thing to have you know loudness of music and who's mm. DJing and that sort of thing but actually the shape of a dance floor will transform mm. uh, an event mm. i know that when i used to i was a nightclub doorman for 8 years yeah. in melbourne and i did sometimes four different clubs a week and i think that my special skill was being able to read the room energetically and mm. know who was walking through the door because i was literally checking in with every single one of them yeah. and i was like okay well there's a lot of orange and red in the room right now i think we need a bit of blue and a bit of green to really you know like yeah. and that's not to say race gender what have no. you it's just the energy of who's coming through the door yeah. and sometimes it was attributed to like you know like <laughs> 10 dudes who've just traveled for an hour from the outer suburbs who want to come yeah, in yeah, yeah, and like yeah. oh a lot of the hectic energy there I'm going to have to yeah, like yeah, yeah. counter you with a lot of homosexuals and <laughs> and girls on it and girls to be able to like counterbalance that particular flavor but okay come on in you're cute enough let's go yeah. um but I think that you know Curation. when when you're curating the space yeah. it is people it is physical space it is the way in which energies move through the space as well it's yeah. there, there there is something to be considered for that but i don't think it's a common discussion for me it's really quite spiritual and i and i'm not religious like let's let's just make sure that's super clear but like um spiritualism is another topic that i i i really am just i study about 2 hours in the morning as soon as i wake up i study 
all the facets of mythology and spiritualism and I, I, I'm obsessed um, and, and, and so I've been putting that into my practice so, for so long without knowing it and reflecting back on that and there's so many facets within that of um, it goes back to tribe it goes back to the culture that we are hungry for it goes back to um, creative it goes back to tribal community that feeling of the gathering the ceremony the ritual um, and and all the things that um, are rep- repetitive and um, and and community community orientated with someone that guides that and makes that a ceremony and so I feel like that's we where we lack and that's what that's when you feel like you're having the best, like Rainbow Serpent is an amazing festival because you feel like you're a tribe. You feel like you're a part, well, actually I shouldn't say that, but you feel like you're a part of um, a bigger thing than you and you feel connected to that and your spirit is lifted and everyone's on the same trajectory, the same vibe and, and there's a connection that's otherworldly and it's magical and that's what... Is that's the the people that are behind that are very authentic in what they are creating for someone, and then you know what I mean. It's like it's it's as it's as deep as that, and it's really I think that what we're lacking in the Western society is is if we're we're so hungry for connection, we don't want to have um, another event that we dress up in our best blah blah to we walk around and no one's really talking about anything fucking exciting. Or interesting, or that's going to change or develop your own personal, you know, life or affect you. So you walk away sh- a shell, you know, and 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 everyone's bored of that. Like no one wants to just look at things anymore. People want to sink their teeth into it, and if they're given the opportunity, they will, and they'll go crazy for it. Like they'll they'll go they'll just disarm and they'll engage, and then they become a part of it, which is essentially. I think the difference between an event and a happening and that's why I try to make is happenings and I think that's what we all try to do right I I totally I I think that people just want a a shift of some kind and they want to feel transformed in some way and I think that the reason why they've gotten so dressed up is because they're hoping to be shifted and the problem I think if the energy is not satisfactorily transformational because it hasn't been held appropriately you then need to fall back on other things to shift to with the intention of shifting which usually just comes down to boring stuff like i need to get wasted to shift drugs yeah exactly you know know, even just i need to get super blind drunk to shift to shift because i've 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 gotten i've schlepped all the way out here i've put on this look that i've paid a fortune for and i've wanted to you know and and i've i've think i've set the tone to have this thing that i want but what do i really want actually you just want to go home feeling like you've had some form of mindset shift to what you left the house with absolutely and so the yeah. idea of coming to a space that's been well held and i actually think that what you're describing about the spirituality invested in a space whether it be a communal working space or a happening or you know something that is you know more longer lasting it's the same there's no reason why i mean that's just a system and there's no yeah. reason why that, yeah. that the notion of how that system can exist doesn't isn't relevant to a business, yeah. or isn't relevant to the way in which you conduct your chair house, or the way mm. in which you and your partner hold space for each other, and you set intention about okay, this is what we're combining our energy for mm. with the with the intention of having, you know, 
let's just see what happens when we set some intentions around mm. how we engage on this Saturday afternoon together. Yeah. You know, I feel like if you can, if what you want is transformation, and I think that a lot of the time that's all we do want is yeah. just to feel like we've been shifted in some yeah. way. It's as simple as holding space, setting intention, mm. and totally and and that's why you know you sent me some beautiful photos of some altars that oh, you yeah. created and I, yeah. I don't even know what they were for but they were it they was were like, for you they, were, they yeah. were so beautiful i thought they just happened to incidentally be around no. oh my god they were beautiful and they were little altars for you missy sent me these beautiful images of i mean and i'm obsessed with the idea of altars because i feel like in your life, you know, on your desk, on your fridge, on your mantelpiece, oh. on your bedside, there are all these spaces that we in we even people who are completely disconnected from the idea of creating a little sacred space for themselves will place their phone and their watch and their you know and and a pen and you know and people do inadvertently create altars. Totally, in their day -to -day. tech tech. Tech, tech altars. Tech shrines <laughs> in the day to day. But um, the photos that Missy sent that. me were... I love that. We're keeping that one. <laughs> were, um, were like crystals and just beautiful offerings. And I looked at these images and I was like, a wave of calm came over me. And I love, I'm very, a little bit OCD. And I, and the order of these disparate <laughs> objects just seemed so harmonious. And I, and I had the feeling of like, I need to put this as my phone background because this is like okay. a mantra. So that was a lovely, um, that was a beautiful offering. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thanks. Well, yeah. I it's, yeah. It's uh, going back to, um, yeah, going back to what we were saying about um, intentions into a space or your art or whatever you're doing creatively. I feel like my best work has been, and I'm sure most people that are creative, I don't know, it's been when I became selfless, in, when I felt like I became selfless in my practice and I wanted to make the space or the object or the art installation or the music or whatever for somebody else's happiness, like authentically, really, really authentically, really wanted them to burst and squeal and dying to see the look on their face when they grabbed that piece of food out of the freaking shopping trolley that looked like rubbish and it was a fucking, you know, sorry for swearing, um, you know, sushimi, blah, 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 and losing their mind. Like when I literally think about that moment that I'm creating and it's authentically for them, that's when I felt like everything just turned into a fireworks for me. Personally, spiritually, and as a person, and, and, and as an artist. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's the difference. Like you're saying, the nightclub space is like that guy who's invested that, you know, bazillion dollars into this terrible dentist space or does, isn't thinking about what people are going to feel like in that space. They're thinking about the money they spend at the bar. That's it. And they don't really care about um, whether they might OD on drugs or they might do this or they might not connect or might not have a new friend that they, you know. I, I, to I totally agree. The person, the, uh, the intention of the person at the top really trickles down to everyone's experience. Big time. At work at a club, yeah. in a, at a picnic, you know, whatever yeah. the situation happens to be, whoever is d designing the space, everyone will experience their reality. Mm. And, and 
I'm really grateful and I'm really like really really grateful for my position to be able to choose my projects at this point that that for me like I don't really t- think about success it's not a thing for me I'd never think of an end goal to be honest I don't know but like you know like for me like if you're gonna s- talk about success or for me that's like being able to have the opportunity to choose your own projects and the people that you lose your mind when you meet and you make those crazy things with and collaborate with um that for me is like a really um intrinsic part of of my trajectory as a as a creator um and i think that that is really crucial like who you're surrounding yourself with and um like really being authentically um connected to them versus it's all for the money or um is if you're able to do that as an artist i think from a uh, from an integral integrity point of view like if you can do that and do everything with integrity from the get go it will all roll into you authentically all of those projects and all of those beautiful amazing um successful moments will happen because you're doing it true to yourself and you're connecting with the right people. It's not even about being an artist. From the get go and that's really hard no. because sometimes they're not for money and it's you know like you have to make money. So there's there's so much Well that, that well that look let's get onto that in a second but I I think it's not even about being an artist. I think it's just about being a person. Yeah, and if you work totally. out what is important to you, I've said it before but you know I'll, I think it bears repeating. For me I transformed my idea of how I wanted my work life to look once I realized that all that mattered to me was I needed to have a bright open space with fresh air where I could control mm. weird things like the music and the temperature and you know like as long as I and and the people I was surrounded with because I was in in environments constantly where I thought I really wanted to be there because they were prestige jobs and then I got there and I was surrounded by dickheads and I was like this is actually a deal breaker this yeah. is like a great movie with an actor that you can't stand in it. It's like there's no point. Mm. It's a total deal breaker. Get out of there. It's like yeah, finding, totally. It's like if Chloe Grace Moretz is in a film, I'm like, no matter how much I wanted to watch the film, I'm out of there. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like you've got to work out what's important to you, and then you can design the life around that. Totally. It's as simple as that. And it I really think, is. And it's not that hard to work out what. I mean, I think the idea of integrity is such a booming concept to people because it's too. hard baskets of people like oh I don't even know where my integrity lies like ah but if you just go what what when you've had a good day do a stock take on what made that a good day totally when you've had a shit day well, that's do a, a tool i mean what, you know, doing the stock day. take is a tool mm-hmm. and where do those tools come from you know like that for me is huge like i've sometimes i've seen these tools come into my life like it's almost like this little esoteric thing that floats through the sky and goes zoom and it's like holy shit another tool where why you know why haven't i had that for so i'm so grateful for that thank god i realized that moment where i knew that that way to think is going to affect the rest of my life that's what you're saying is a tool but so many people don't realize that they have tools like and, and then that becomes your new that becomes your new non-negotiable like the thing yeah. it's almost like i there's so many i always come back to relationship analogies and it's like when you have a, a shitty relationship and yeah. you get treated poorly and you you know 
all the problems of the things that weren't working, but you also had a couple of things. But you know what things. you don't want there. You know what you don't want? You had a couple of things yeah. that kept you there in the first place that are worth holding on to. Mm. So you go, okay, well, next time around, I want to have all the things that worked about that scenario, yeah. but my new non-negotiable is they, they, they can't be X, Y, Z. And I think totally. for your career, for your passion, for your creativity, for your art, mm. as you evolve, you go, okay, well, there were parts about the way in which I was working that I loved and I want to mm. hold on to yep. those, but I'm just going to make sure that next time around, yep. I'm going to park those those ones that didn't serve me. Yep. Um, Agreed. Let, the let, serving you is really, deep, not so, the you know, the words, it's not serving me, I, it has come up so much for me in the last two years for personally um, getting into ayahuasca was the biggest thing um and and the first thing that came up for me is alcohol not serving me in my true purpose work i was like purpose work what the fuck's purpose work you know what i mean and and then as soon as i i, I let go of um of of you know uh, alcohol which is essentially what we do as party makers and event makers and like people but you know um it, um, not to say I was an alcoholic, but like you know, it's it's present and it's a suppressor of the spirit, and um, that didn't serve me. And and there's so many facets of the trajectory of energy that I've had since letting go of that. The things that don't serve me, um, being that being people that um, you know um, perhaps you know bring you down when you've got all these other amazing people around you that bring you up and. Um, surrounding yourself with those people, making those really harsh decisions to um, to clean and cleanse your life constantly, and 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 work on work on building the bigger picture of how, shaping your life in the most positive way. Mm. You know, like it all comes down to positivity, right? Like, uh, I, I myself have been. It's I, insane. I, I've gravitated towards that. That's like pos- like positivity in the most basic sense has been my true north since I was yeah. you know a kid. Yeah. I feel like. Alcohol, I realized at 18, didn't serve me at all. Hmm. I haven't had more than two consecutive drinks since then. Wow. Because um, I, I just, I'd really identified very early on. And yep. I was also like, I don't mm. think I've touched a spirit since I was 18. I've only wow. had like a glass of red occasionally. And that's not to say I am, uh, you know, virtual and, you're and pure. A, but you're a superhuman that looks like they're having the best time of their life when you par- you go yeah, to parties. Absolutely. Like, and I just, I just know, you know, yeah. I just know, I, cool. I want it to be on my terms. I want to feel great the next day. But also, I, I also go, this is for those who are like, well, I don't, I <laughs> I, I, I drink, but I don't do drugs. I'm like, you're getting high on ethanol, motherfucker. What do you yeah. think you're actually... Like, alcohol is a drug. It's a really mm. damaging drug. It's a drug that is making you high. And the thing that you're getting high on is ethanol. Mm. That's the content of the alcohol. Yep. You are engaging in a substance that is a lot more damaging and suppressive than any other number of, mm. of things that you could be doing and engaging with that would be less problematic mm. for your energy yeah and i think but the problem that we have is it's tough to choose that choice in this australia, in, in australia <laughs> like more than in, anywhere in the know. world honestly like it's I, just like we're destructive but you know i haven't, I haven't drunk for, <laughs> i haven't drunk for so long we love um, it <laughs> whenever i um, i've not paid for a soda water for 10 years because every time someone's going to the bar they're like well, we'll buy a dan and oh yeah great you know, you're the you cheapest know, person to yeah, take out I'm ever like sparkling sandpal thanks babe Sa- i know um, Sa- thank you sandpal i know i'm still trying to get a sponsorship from sandpal but it's just had this sandpal <laughs> you're listening we please. are your ambassadors it's the, the taste of the amalfi coast i keep like, telling everyone it's you know just a twist of lime hurry up and do it 
exactly. That's all we, want. we just want that injected in there. Thank you. But I, you know, <laughs> let's talk about the business of being a creative because uh-huh. I feel like when I, even before I got to know you at all, I always <laughs> observed the work that you were doing in terms of, you know, able to set up systems that allowed you as a creative to be running the business of what you did really cleverly. Really? Yeah. Stalker. Because, yeah, totally. Because, because I think that it's, it's... I don't even know how to business. That's so funny. But I think, uh, I think well, or, or the business of being a creative, yeah. which is actually almost, which comes down to knowing your worth. It comes down to, it actually comes down to, I mean, side note, I started to, when I decided, you know what, I'm, I refuse to be a financially unsuccessful creative. I am going to value my work and my time and my energy. And I actually started to specifically hang out with friends and associates who were very good at running the business of their lives, not creatives at all, but who I think have very creative minds, although they would never really acknowledge that. But I have friends who are like doctors and media agents and people who are I feel highly creative, but they don't identify with that. But I observe the way in which they work, and yeah. I'm like, "You're a genius." And I yeah, would cool. have coffee with them. I would go to the gym with them. I would hang out with them. They're, fr- they're friends, of course. I love their company, but I would grill them about their decision making <laughs> to do with the running of the business for their non-creative industries. Mm. And yeah. I would use those ideas as to design the system by which I approached being a creative, mm. because I realized that that I'm like, well. How hard can it be? And then once I got over myself in terms of my resistances to being good at business, I realized how creative business is. Oh, I'm absolutely with you on that. It's, yeah, that's music. It's just like, sorry, I just nearly squealed really loudly. Um, it's, yeah, like everything that was fucking me up in my creative and was the business side of things because I was like, well, look, I hate, I'm not good at tax, let's face it, but, um, but like, you know, oh, I don't want to, I don't know how to make a PDF. I don't know how to put that together. I'm really bad at like, production. Oh, like, like, I don't know how to put that all down into words. I'm just going to do it. It's so much easier in my mind, but like not communicating that to other people when they really, really need that. The more you're working with other people, the more you need to communicate with them. And that's what it comes down to is creative communication. I don't know, maybe, like, and... Facilitation. And holy shit, it really sucks. It really sucks. Like, when we moved the nest, the nest creative space to the other, the new nest, I was like, I'm out, it's getting demolished, it's a sign, I'm out, I don't want to do this, I don't want to manage this again. This is going to be the most insane, grueling, shipping 30 artists and making a new space at the same time and working with two people making a 2,000 square meter space, it turned into 50 artist spaces and make three kitchens and holy shit. Like, and like, and not know that, how to make that as a proper business business. I was like, I'm out, you know, and it was only Dan, my partner, who was like, come on, like, you know, this is a, a it's a philanthropic move that we, Sydney needs at this point, but B, come on, let's just like do it with our, you know, full intention. Um, and when I shifted that perception of like, I'm going to do this wholeheartedly, there's not going to be the back end that, you know, screws me over in the end of this, I'm going to really sink my teeth into it and step up to the plate and learn how to do all the crap that I hate. And and as soon as we really, gr- I would say it's a grind um, to do all the back end stuff and get other cool little kids that know what they're doing with all the back end stuff. 
as soon as we made that fluid and made all the processes for the creative um, space that we were creating or the business that we had with, you know, um, I made this as a company, um, that then it became fluid. And then you have more time after that grind because it's all fluid and you're just popping things out and it's not a problem. You designed a system. You designed a system and you've de- designed a practice and... I really it's resonate with that. It sucks, but it's well, great. But, but cramming, it's empowering. You know, like, I felt disempowered. I felt um, disempowered. Sorry to butt in on you no. then, but you know, like it was. I may I allowed myself to feel no, like I didn't have any power over that other half, and it was like a black, looming little guy just tapping you on the shoulder all the time, going. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm annoying as fuck, but I'm going to keep annoying you until you do it. And then it's like, gah, and you have to address it and do it. And then once you do, it's all systems go, you're just flying and it's, it's feels, feels really good. We, we all know what that's like. And that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, tax is the most relatable version because it's the one thing that we all have to look at at some stage. But once you've done the thing, how liberating is it? It's liberating. I, I feel yeah. that my last year has been defined by every time people check in and mm. say, like, how's, how's work going or how's everything? Because creativity and work mm. are, and everything is sort of merging for me, which is such a gift. Yeah. But I feel like I'm cramming in a uni or year 12 kind of way at the moment. Yeah. And, and my last year, every cool. time someone's like, how have you been? I'm like, well, I've never worked harder, but I've never gotten more energy from what I'm working on. And I've never been more rewarded in how I feel by what I'm doing and I never end my day feeling anything but grateful that I'm learning so many new things that are directly contributing to my business so even though I'm challenging myself to push beyond my comfort zone daily pretty much yeah I have I've been so sustained energetically by what I'm doing and I came Mm -hmm. to realize I came to think about I don't I I went to film school for, for three years and I worked in student films for years afterwards and I always observed how on these film sets all of these uni students and kids who really wanted to be filmmakers and directors and cinematographers and art directors and costumiers would spend sometimes because also the people who were doing the production had no idea what they were doing so sometimes we'd be on set for like 16 hour days for 7 days in a row I would leave that and sometimes go and work a night job to then come back and do it the next day and everyone was just combining so much limitless energy because they loved what they did so much Mm. and they were contributing so much energy and I mean not sustainable to work in, in practical terms for too long but it was a really good reminder of when I'm really in line with what I believe in and love and what I am getting a direct return on my investment from because I am aligning with my passion so much, yep. it's very energizing. Oh, it totally. It becomes a self-sustaining mode. Yeah, of, it's fluid, mm. right? feels fluid. I, it feels good. And you, and you <laughs> it's know exciting on, always. It's just like, oh. Meanwhile, the, the flip side to that, which we also identify, which is like, I did this thing that didn't even wasn't even that complicated, but God, it drained me. You yeah. know that we all know the company or the tasks or the, the work that doesn't feel in line with what we care about. That is just really taxing. You know it. You yeah. know it. You know it when you see it. You know, as soon as you say yes to a project that you know isn't, um, are you gonna? going to somehow um, give you an upskill or or an, a connection that you'd love to, to move to or 
some new um, like creative personal skill or, or alignment or with someone alignment. that you want to work with in future. Yeah, like sometimes then, I've, I've given my energy to a project because I li- I believe in the person and. I've gotten. I'm like. I don't even know whether it's going to be worth me investing three days in this. But it's never not been worth it. Like I've yeah. always because there was something like just aligning energy with someone that you know you believe in and want yeah. to celebrate. I think gives you something. And that's interesting because um, recently the QVB um, building, um, the QVB marketing team contacted me to do the creative direction for QVB After Dark, which is a new thing they've created, and. Um, it's run by, goes back to um, run, it's uh, the mar- one of the marketing girls, um, Claire Marie and Robin. Um, Robin is an artist in her own right, incredible. Um, I, she's fascinating. And, and she joined the team with Claire Marie um, to, to work, yeah, in marketing and strategy and everything with um, the QVB. And because of, she came forward with this kind of proposal to, as a, to come on board, I was like, I, like, I, I didn't really even think twice about going down that path, what that would look like for whatever. It's because of the affiliation with with her having, you know, um, being a part of it. And I knew as soon as she was on board that, and then meeting Claire Marie, they both came to Hyper Real and were like, and again. And so um, I knew that they would be yes, yes women. And I knew, I just, I just was like, this, I've got the best feeling about this. This is going to be insane. Um, and as soon as I opened the, the platter up to go, what do you want to do? Here's the space. You're like, well, create a direction. What do you want to do? It was mental. Um, and, and the, and the explosion of, um, support, which I've really actually never felt, um, probably say, um, with Chin Chin, yes. A thousand percent on a really grand scale of um, an established like a building like on that scale of this 121 year old stunning like the heart of Sydney kind of building you know with 50,000 people going through it like the OHS of what we were doing was just disruptive which is great um, and 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 so yeah so that um, that initial person that seed is so crucial in the trajectory of the the project and it can be either like a few months of hell or a few months of total bliss mm. and and i just yeah i really believe that you've got to have some kind of um igniting moment with someone well speaking of holding space do you know that barry humphreys dame edna was responsible for that building still being in existence. Did you hear that story? Really? So in, in like 1971, uh. like in the 70s, it was meant to be demolished, it was boarded up, it was derelict, and he, wow. and it was meant to be turned into another foul late 70s development that wow. Sydney is just full of. And he was the one, the singular popular voice that was responsible for that space being not only protected but restored into the grand, it's one of the most beautiful buildings in Sydney. Yeah. And I feel like... Yep. That shaman held space oh, yeah. for future generations to, like you to be able to Thank do you. beautiful. Thanks, Barry Humphreys. <laughs> Thanks, you Barry may Humphreys. Be. Thanks, Dame Edna. Um, <laughs> I know, because, right? Because you, know, you, you, you build it, and they will come. In terms of you know, you hold Kevin space. Kevin Costner said. <laughs> water, if Waterworld is nothing, is nothing else a testament. To, you, know, you, you, you know, we are as creatives able to create <laughs> environments that allow other creatives to contribute their energy to that space then that is when mm. magic trans- transformational magic takes yep. place 
everyone says to me is like just a, you know, like everyone. A lot of people come and say, oh, "There's just nothing to do in Sydney. It's so boring. Oh my god, it's just dead. Everything's." I'm like, I've never been so busy. I've never. I I do not I, I never have a boring moment of like there's nothing culturally to do like we've got um, live works insane one I like the most amazing experimental platform for um, for experimental art dance choreography performance art like what the fuck like I am going to everything on that program I've booked six hundred dollars worth of tickets it is I'm a, it's insane it's really groundbreaking you've got Heaps gay, you've got, um, you know, like all these huge there are, things. There are ha- enough festivals of, and moments popping up that you just have to be, they're just not. But people are, this is the thing is like, it's, like the, when the QVB asked me to do that, it made me realize that if this, you know, very kind of like, um, you would say maybe conservative um, space with really high-end um, gallery, galleria kind of style um, stores yeah, in it. it's got bougie um, international designer. Yeah, and if they want to do something that is like a total experiment, experimentation of immersive performance and disrupt the general public into and invite them to be disrupted and disarmed and to um, become a performer, <laughs> which is what happened... Um, with over a thousand people, mm. you know, um, over a course of a night, and be, and activate that building, then Sydney's in good hands. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think. And Vivid's a really great reminder. Like I yeah. just, you know, Vivid is is outrageous and garish and busy and nuts, and it's full of you know screaming children from the outer suburbs. But it's like at the end of the day, I'm like, if this is like I went to a dance party that took place during Vivid, you know, behind the opera house, and it was just queer and explosive and amazing. It was the kooky party, yeah, which yeah. was heaven. But wow. I was actually just thinking, ever all of the colourful characters that made their way to this dance party did not even register a blip on the radar because the entire city was just full of colour and explosion mm. and, and crazy energy and chaos mm. that instantly you think, okay, well, Sydney's super conservative and, you know, clubs have no licensing and that sort of thing. But what I stand by is that energy doesn't go away. It just gets funneled into different spaces. Mm. So maybe the fact that we that you, all of that energy doesn't get spent at 4, 5, 6 a.m. on the dance floor, now it's available to go into events that maybe happen by day happen at different times of night happen mm-hmm. in different sorts of spaces like gallerias shopping yeah. spaces and it just is a, it's, a, it's a way for creatives to connect in a different capacity well it's interesting because I've had this conversation um, not this conversation other ones similar just this moment of um, you know like the prohibition is a really good example of um, nothing disappeared like, you know, people wanted to party, people wanted to connect. Like, generally, people were drinking um, to be in a space to connect, to have friends, to have their community, to talk, to be active, to create their society in. Like, you know, it all kind of ripples. But it never stopped. People just found ways of doing it in the underground. And this is the funny thing. This is... Um, I. I have a, a happening um, it's called subculture vulture and it, I did it as a one-off um, I wanted to make an experimental playground of touch sound and art and 
um, also touch down art and taste if there was food involved. And so um, we did that. There was 300 people. It was underground. And now they're um, every two to three months. And I've decided to make them um, something that people can come back to and be a part of because we've already created this community. So this is in its fourth one is coming up. And, um, yeah, and, and what going back to what that is, is the subcultures. And the reason why I created it is because I had so many conversations about... Um, there's nothing happening in Sydney, but what is happening is everyone's burrowed underground, like really, like physically gone underground into creating all these um, really amazing um, experiments and subcultures without um, uh, the policing, which is interesting. Uh, there's a lot happening. Um, sorry, guys. It didn't work. <laughs> Keep Sydney open. Um you know, there's a lot of subcultures that are happening under, underneath the ground and they're boiling like, you know, they're like growing like little cicadas under there and when the timing's right, all of those little subcultures are going to dig their way to the surface, gr unleash out of their little shells and just explode into Sydney again and I think this is a really exciting time that not essentially the general public would know about. The creative community knows it we're fighting to have them and people are realizing they have to be active and be activists in the, you know, creative activists in this um, time where we're trying to have suppression and they're trying to suppress our, um, our right to be in collectives and separate us on a really fundamental level, which is where my, ugh, my fire kicks in and I'm like, well, fuck it. What am I doing with my time? I want to make shit that matters, that people have places to connect in still. And then maybe they'll have those conversations in the bathrooms or in the back room or on the D floor and, and be able to connect and keep us together in unity. That's, that's it. I'm not worried about Sydney. This is the funny thing, like my, my personal opinion. Um, I love this. I love this city. Like, I'm a, I love Melbourne. I love Australia. I think we're such an exciting, creative... Um, we're a creative space as a country. We're so far removed from all the other things, but um, it's so nice to tap into the world and come back to Australia, which I feel like yeah. is so far away. The best thing about going overseas not, is just coming back. Yeah, it's, yeah, and like where I live, like I live near the beach, it's like 10 minutes to the city, 10 minutes, like 30 second walk to the beach. It's insanity. Mm. The beaches are clean. What we live in is insane. We just need to fight for it. And, and you know, um, yeah, so I think, like, I'm not, I don't know, like, I'm not, a f I'm not nervous or, or, uh, or angry. Um, I'm not projecting any anger out at the government for shutting down all these things because I've got no time for it. And it's, it's a waste of energy. It's a waste of energy. And the more, like, if, if I've got that moment to say, to bitch about the scene, I've also got that moment to do something about the scene, you know? And whatever that looks like, and it's not, um, it doesn't come from a place of ego. It comes from a place of, can I want to keep, I want to be connected. And I, I think everybody else does too. And so if I'm not going to do it, then no one's going to do it. If the same goes for everyone I always say at the end of subculture vulture I'm like 
by the way, we're, you know, we're, we're artists, we're artists run and you're, you know, we're creating these happenings for you guys to enjoy, but I also love to party. So with my micro, with my fake microphone, I also like to party. So I'm inviting you to make some parties too that I can come to because I would love to not make one and go to one. Like, you know, like, let's do it. Let's, 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 let's make crazy weird shit. And yeah, that's what's happening in, I think, you know, it's a prohibition in, in a creative space. And I really, I'm excited by it because look what happened. You know, it was explosive. There was, you know, dance scenes that came from the prohibition and, you know, movements and, Mm. and it's, you know, suppression, um, you know, pressure makes diamonds. I love that mm, thing. Mm, mm, mm. You know, like, boom, it's just, you know, they're going to come out in little diamond cicadas everywhere. So <laughs> um, before we wrap up, I just want to touch on process for a second because, you know, you, over the time that you've, you've created spaces, you've, you're, you've worked in a lot of different creative platforms from performance to there's a, there's a you know, works in a physical space. There's, you know, the, the business of what you do is so highly creative. But is there a process... Or practice that you swear by that really allows you to get into alignment with your best, your best focus. Mm, yeah, ritual. Yeah, um, ritual. Yeah, for sure. Um, Creating. I don't know. Like um, a really good close friend of mine is like pretty much my. I would say she's my muse, Bettina. Hi, Bettina from Appetite for Decoration. Um, she, Bettina, is just incredible in her day-to-day practice of ritual um, in the contemporary way. And, um, yeah, I learnt so much from her about um, just creating very small self-practices that, that in your day-to-day um, that allow you the space to think without... It, um, it all sort of feeling like it's overwhelming and I and then I feel in that space I have room to to breathe and room to think clearly and room to to create design the steps that I need to make those things happen and and manifest them um, like is- really manifest them like physically and mentally and full body and spirit manifest and that's not coming from like some hippie bullshit place. It's interesting because I um, I was performing at Lightning in a Bottle recently in um, in America and uh, with Ginger and the Ghost, my my band, my, with my husband Dan, and um, I did a I did a ritual theatre course in Nevada City with Isis Indria and Eve and um, that I. I my stage was a really incredible stage where there was activists from Navajo activists that you know um, people that are doing really big global peace peacekeepers that were doing talks on those stages and there was um, the two Mayan elders that did a cacao ceremony with three hundred people and they said something really amazing about. Um, they don't have depression and they don't have suicidal thoughts and things like that in the Mayan traditional tribes. They've never had that. It was, it's a thing that they've, it's only in Western society that's happened um, recently because they've lost touch of ritual. 
And because they have so many practices of day-to-day ritual, um, everything they do, making a tea, making a... There's, because there's so many steps within those practices uh, in ritual that they don't have time to have other little sneaky thoughts of self-doubt and psychoanalyzing and blah, 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 that, they don't ha- that it doesn't exist. How amazing is that? And so for me, my discipline, I would say, is, is to create ritualistic practice in everything I do. And, and that, yeah, allows me to be, have, be in the moment, to learn how to be in the moment, which is really hard for me. <laughs> Because um, I'm too excited about most things, and, and I, you know, suffer from anxiety. And um, it, it, you know, creating this practice creates focus and drive and intention and gratitude. And um, for me, that's like um, my core. So, if someone was listening to this and wanting to identify what their ritual looked like, is there something that you would share that someone could try in the pro- in the developing yeah. of their ritual? What would you recommend? Um, I would say um, a day-to-day ritual is really easy. Um, It's as simple as lighting a candle. Um, It's as simple as gathering the little things that might mean something to you that um, you put an intention into, like verbally, um, in your mind, creating a a mantra. Look into it. What what is a mantra? setting an intention into something um i mean as as even like this little glass of water like like being grateful for this glass of clean water and and really looking at it for just a sec and going and you know all the little things in your head go away and being grateful for um having clean water and then drinking that water you're just gonna it's gonna feel 10 times more yummy like you know it's gonna taste better um yeah, um, I think just having a moment for yourself in the morning and the night before you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning is really nice just to set, like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes aside to kind of, like, just to set, sit into what you want to do. And when you're gathering all those objects and things to create a little altar, <laughs> to create a little altar or a shrine or, or, or just a little gathering of, of, of tech objects, perhaps you've had those moments um where you've had this really nice clear thought um, and nothing's sort of like overlapping and it's not foggy, it's quite clear and, and, and then you're, it's allowing you to kind of set up your day in the right way um, and ask for the things that you really want. Um, it's, amazing what, it's amazing how much the universe will give you if you ask it. Scary. It really is amazing. Like I, I truly believe that it, it, it exists. So I just had a great idea because yeah. often I think we've been led to believe that we are. I mean, thank you for that. I think that was of all the important things we've discussed. I think that was really special and really <laughs> uh, useful. And I think there's like I um, want the value add for this, these discussions to be about yeah. takeaways. And I think there's something very practical and pragmatic about that, which I love. And I want to suggest that we have a lot of hang-ups now about realizing that our phones are bad for us and they're not but they're not going away anytime soon like we know that there's this great source of distraction we know that we should have Mm. armor shower tech free hour at the beginning end of the day there's lots of ideas and hacks around detaching from your phone being anti-screen time but 
if you are someone who's struggling with removing that constant distraction from your palm on your vision or removing Instagram from your um, homepage so that you can't ultimately access it on your whatever it happens <laughs> to be definitely employ restraint but if you are finding that difficult maybe it's something to experiment with is to apply love mm. and gratitude towards it instead and absolutely create a space that is like here's my apple watch here's my iphone here's yeah. my we're making tech, tech rituals tech ritual. you know here's and this is on my bedside <laughs> and i'm gonna put you know i'm gonna put these other my you know jewelry that i wear is gonna be there and my my uh, you know glass of water is gonna be there and you know and ultimately you're ritualistically thanking your the creator things. for the beautiful facilitation that all those devices offer you and you have respect and celebration for the the tools that you're using in the same way that you can have respect and celebration for something as simple as a glass of water yeah then that might be a way to transform your attitude towards the junk food kind of mindless way attitude to gratitude attitude to gratitude yeah gratitude gratitude Um, that could be a good thing to experiment with i mean it's all experimentation and tools I just think that you have to... It's really fun to play in that space as well. Um, It's really fun to play in that space. Mm. Um, Play. And just suck it to see. Just do the thing and just work out, oh, actually, that kind of made me feel low energy. Oh, no, that really boosted my energy Mm. when I did that thing. If you're paying attention to those those little experiments, (coughs) and then micro-hack your day so that you go, Mm. oh, if I have a little moment to myself with a cup of tea before I, you know, speak to anyone for half an hour in the day, Mm. then that's going to make me feel a bit listened to or whatever it happens to be. It's crazy because the other day I I had this moment like, well, Dan has this um, Nacho Libre character that, like this keychain that's like really tacky and it bothers me. And I love, but I love it so much because he puts it into the shrines when I'm like, babe, do you want to put me to put anything into the shrine? He goes, yeah, put this guy. And I'm like, why do you put that guy in there? And he's like, because that was the most fun I've had in forever. Cause I surprised him and took him to, um, a wrestling match in Mexico recently. And we just had the best time ever. It was just ridiculous. And he's like, it reminds me of fun and play. And I'm like, see, that's interesting because it's not like a hippie crystal like let's forget about hippie like modern mythology Mm -hmm. and ritual is really crucial right now um and it's visible through all the creative um people that are you know i know so shaman shamanistic creative um uh creators are exploding across the world i saw that in the states and you know um, and it's not hi- it's not hippie. It's um, also like look at someone like RuPaul. RuPaul is the most mainstream shaman in existence uh, at the moment. You right, know, right, like right. there are, there is shamanistic energy, which shamanistic, is the yeah, not shaman, we, but yeah, yeah, which is the the choosing the word the, rightly, the yeah. other you know totally. of it's, it's it's elements of male. There's elements of female. There's usually some uh, consideration of aesthetic. There's it's a certain energy or magic that's coming through in a way that we mm. really need and it's coming through in really subversive and interesting and, it's, and you can't deny that like you can't deny that it's and coming also, through and also I hate to, to, <laughs> to lecture people but what you resist persists and if you are oh that's hippie bullshit well what is in it that is so resistant why are people do, why, why, why has ritual been you know and, happening and, for so long and, and what, what, what's your hang up about it you know yeah. like if it means nothing then surely it's innocuous enough that you could give it a go and it would maybe you know, yeah. if it's if it's if it's completely pointless, then you have nothing to lose by yeah. trialing it. It's funny because I 
I do this little process as well where, um, which I learned from, um, it's kind of like almost creating like a little amulet. And so I'll write down either like things that I, I want, things that I want to let go of, things that I want to have in my life. And like, even if it's things like sold out, chin chin, hyper real, like it could be really like base, you know, like it's, it's everything. It could be, um, want my cat to be able to climb up that tree because I really want that for him because he's hopeless. You know, like, whatever. Anyway, so I wrote this, like, little list the other day of all these women because I love women. Like, women are the best. Sorry. But, like, I'm on the, like, I'm on the female tip at the moment so hard and there's so many female role models that I have um, from these amazing peace activists and, um, you know, ceremonial holders in, in, in Nevada City that I'm obsessed with. They're just divine. And I looked at that list and then while I was wrapping them, I was like, why am I writing these names down? The, that question came up. Why am I writing these names down? What do they mean to me? And then I realized, I was like, do I want to be them? And then I went, hold on a minute. I am them. Like, I'm... I'm I'm me like I'm not I don't want to be them like I've just needed that moment to go I I am I am an empowered woman that's why I see in them and that's what I reflect on and that's what I want to grow more into um and so you know that's as simple as that moment of just writing them down taking the time to to assess my life um, in a really sweet, innocent, like just like you know, Friday night blah blah, wrapping it in some ribbon that was on the floor that my cat was playing with, and then grabbing a little you know flower from my arrangement that I had, tucking it in as an offering, and then putting it in my little temple, you know, my my little altar, and then every time I walk past that, I think about that. It's there, it's, oh, it's and it's like. Okay, okay, okay. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's really powerful. The, 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 the most layman version of that that I can think of. That <laughs> it's I, interesting. I, it's so interesting and so valuable. And I think if that was a bridge too far for someone, I think one of the easiest ways to do that and bring it back to something as, as top line as tech is find the icon of the person that is speaking, is by something vibrating with the energy of what you want to have in your next chapter so for example i always have someone in the background of my phone who is the icon of who i want to be when i move like towards you know so for example i'll have Gwyneth paltrow there or i'll have Ah, rick rubin there or i'll have someone because and that no one necessarily needs to know about it but for me they they're a symbol of a part of myself i want to cultivate the reason why i had Gwyneth paltrow as the background of my phone was because she was the with what she's created with the goop it was she was the, the she was the physical embodiment of a movement as lived in a digital space that allowed people who engage with her work to have transformational ideas in micro ways that they could apply to their day to day lives. Mm. And that was she became an icon to me for that movement. Right. And I made her the background of my phone. So every time I opened up my phone, mm. I was like, "This chapter is all about. I'm living my Gwyneth energy. This is me, Gwyneth." Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Yeah, gratitude. And Cute. I was and I was ultimately <laughs> able to plant that seed every time I engage with the phone throughout the day, which is so often, where I was like, well, I need to be reminding myself of what part of myself I'm looking to cultivate. And, you know, there was some intention there in an image that was a totem for success for my future Mm. evolution. And it's, for me, it's like, it's a self-challenge. 
Like if you, it's an action, right? It's a physical action. Like when you thinking about all that stuff and you think about the stuff, it's thinking and it stays in the head. When it's an action, it's out and it's in the real visceral world. Um, and then it has the chance to be otherworldly and become big magic, like the, like the book says. Um, you know, and as soon as you put that into an action, even if it's tiny like that, like that's just a tiny little little check, chessboard move, you know, um, it's bigger than you think. And then I think that's where things are manifested, you know. That's the space of manifestation and it's really powerful. Like I said, be careful what you wish for. Like that big old list that I created for the four days because, you know, I only... I wanted it there for a few days was um, over the course of when I wanted to contact those all those people mm. and I contacted all of those people on that list on Instagram and every single person replied to me every single person and I said I wanted to work with a couple of them and they said yes because I just reached out on an authentic level and said I dig what you do like mm. you're this amazing illustrator from New York I wanted to do something with her and make this insane performance board I was like, please, please, like, and you know, like, they're just people. They're, we're all just people, and it's just so lovely to to um, realize that it's a lovely, lovely place to be in without an ego, and and to humbly, mm. um, to humbly, you know, accept the manifestations that you've been conjuring up like a little white witch. <laughs> I, if nothing else, I would love this podcast to be the thing that facilitates. You know, that yeah. same experimentation and ideas. Yeah. Okay, well, I love to end by saying to people, if I was to speak to you in a year's time, what is a pro- uh, what is a, uh, um, a project that you would love to be completed? Oh, I kind of don't want to give it away. No, well, don't. But can you talk about um, what it would mean to you to have it done? or what I space, know the one. What space it would be moving into for you? Um, is, it, is it new territory? Yeah, it's yeah, it's new territory for sure. It's um, it's in the immersive experiential space, mm-hmm. and it's also in the healing space. It's also in the in the um, alchemic, esoteric healing space, but it, it's in the experimental performance food thingy. Yeah, it's right. a sensory. Yeah, sensory. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't want to say the words, mm-hmm. but I, actually, you know what? I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> Please. Well, like, I mean, immersive, like, sensory experiences are here, right? But I want to do sensory healing. Mm. So I really want to make sure that every, the spaces that I'm creating, all this bigger, this bigger picture thing that I want to do is um, a work, a project, just a one-off project, but I want it to be a sensory healing. So, yeah. Beautiful. So I want it to be... Um, yeah, I really want it to. Be, I want people to walk away without this time instead of going, "Oh my god, I had the best time. I was so connected. Blah, what the fuck happened?" I want them to go, "I'm healed." Like I want. A, I want a sense of a connection to um, a really deep sense of. Um, and and how does that look? Um, is that light therapy? Is that color therapy? Sound healing. Food therapy. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So bringing that kind of um, thing into Oof. my practice, which is, which I mean, is so it, exciting. It's so exciting because also what you're doing right now is so healing. It's, so, it's so healing anyway, inadvertently healing. But how wonderful to encourage the participants to set the intention of healing. Yeah, and yeah, I think it's like how to how to um, 
how to to set people up to um, be open to that. Missy, I'm so glad that we got to do this because we, we, we've <laughs> Funny. collectively spent a handful of hours in each other's presence and I'm delighted that this was a, a, <laughs> yeah, a very <laughs> concentrated, red cordial version of us getting to know each other. So Love this it. has been really special. Thank you so much. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. So fun. So good. <laughs> <laughs>